So I'm going to uh, talk to you a little bit about grace this morning. And I was saying about the reason is, I've been talking to you about the last few weeks about grace, is the reason for talking about grace is because I think the Lord is talking about grace right now. So at least he is to me. And so I don't want to, um, you know, hold it to myself. I'm going give, to give away good stuff that God has given me. And so I want to start out this morning with uh, Titus 2, 11 through 12, <clears throat> and just read this to you and give you a couple of thoughts on it. Uh, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now, so um, the revelation of grace has been made available to everyone. So it's, it's there. It's, it's here. Um, you know, there's a thing people call common grace, um, you know, which is, you know, it rains on the bad person's garden and it rains on the righteous garden. That's common grace, right? But God's grace that uh, brings salvation is here, okay, right now. Any person can come into that. And remember, salvation means saved, healed, and delivered. In other words, at any moment, any of us can have a healing. At any moment, any of us can have a deliverance in our life. It's, it's here. It's for us. God wants to open your eyes to see it. Uh, right now, today in your life, and not for some future future moment. One of the things I wanted to mention this is a little bit of a side note, though, about you know about deliverance and inner healing. You know, big on that. Uh, but there's some things that God is not going to deliver you from or inner heal you from. It's called the lust of the flesh, right? Uh, the boastful pride of life, and the right. Those are not things we get delivered from or healed from. Those are things that we mortify, we put to death in Christ. So sometimes we're trying to get God to do something, deliver us from something, and he's saying that's not a deliverable thing. You need, you need, to, you know, you need to, by faith, mortify those, those things in your life. And see, that will help you a whole lot in your walk with God when you begin to understand what needs healing, what needs delivering, and what simply needs to be dealt with by, you know, the cross in your life in terms of, you know. And so I had to kind of figure that out because I spent a while trying to get the Lord to deliver me of something. And one day he just said, lust of the eyes. That's what he said to me. Lust of the eyes. I was like, oh, no, that's what that is. That's simply what it is. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. And so we all have that. I'm sure you do, too, but you're not acting like you do. But probably when you get home, you might act like you do, you know, or when nobody's looking. That's where God wants to talk to you about that. So this, this awesome salvation and this awesome grace has appeared. It's available. It's what Titus is saying. Then he says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust... See, this is where grace comes into that thing about the, you know, the lust of the flesh. Worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, what we have to be careful about is when we think teaching, we think how we do teaching in America. If somebody stands up in front of a classroom and has a blackboard or a whiteboard and writes on it, and people take notes, and then they give them tests on it, and then they go home you know, and promptly forget what they took the test on, just get through the class. And, but that's not, what the, that's not biblical teaching. Biblical teaching, think, think in terms of apprentice, 
That's biblical teaching. Or think in terms of raising a child. How many people raise children? You know, you, you teach your kids, you help teach your kids how to drive a car, right? Part of that teaching is getting them in a car with you and you sit over there freaked out, you know, hoping they don't kill you or somebody else. But that's really how the Bible, when the Bible begins to speak of teaching, it speaks of doing as long, and, and plus getting understanding of what you're doing. You know, the way Jesus did it, he, he, you know, he went out and started doing miracles and, and, and teachings and stuff with his disciples. And then his disciples would have conversations with him about what he was talking about. And he would explain things to them. And then he invited, at some point, he invited his disciples to help him in what he was doing. Okay? And they began to help Jesus do what he was doing. Like, some, sometimes it was simple things like, you know, uh, pass out the bread for the, for the multitude. Just simple things. But then there came a day when he said, I'm sending you out to heal the sick and deliver people. Okay, so that sort of was, that's the model that grace does. Grace doesn't simply just talk to you about how to overcome things and give you biblical facts. It gives you power to do those things. And we begin to work with grace, the grace of God in us. It begins to work in us, helping us, you know, overcome things that we need to overcome in our life. Okay, and so that's really like the critical thing. Now, admittedly, this is... um, doesn't ha- happen overnight. Uh, let me just jump down to Second Peter 3.18. I think we all know this. It says, Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. So there's a growth period in our lives where, God, where, where we're growing in the ability to be overcomers. And we're growing in the ability to deal with things in our heart and our life. We're growing in the ability to do and to obey the Lord and live live a, a, what they say, live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. See, grace is very concerned about godly living. And, and that word sober there is a powerful word because it means sound mind. It means wisdom. It means the mind of Christ. And see, that's what grace will begin to work in you. It will begin to work in you right thinking, a right kind of mindset about life and how to look at things properly and look at things the way God looks at them, and think about things the way God thinks. That's what grace does. So a lot of times what I've learned to do, you know, I, this is sort of the trick I learned a few years ago, is when you, somebody wanted to talk to you about their problem, is to take all my thoughts about that person, my knowledge about that person, my opinion about that person, and just flush it down the commode. Just totally just flush it. And trust God to bring his thoughts to me about that person. And the remarkable thing is, if you really do that, it really works. It really does. God will begin to give you the thoughts that he has about that person. And you know what the awesome thing is? Many times the thoughts come from the person. Many times you can talk to a person and say they're having a problem in their life, and, they will, and they're coming to you to help work through their problem. They, they may even not be aware of their problem. They will tell you exactly what their problem is, and they will tell you what their solution is. And then you can repeat it back to them, and they will think God spoke to them. Like if some great revelation came, really they had that revelation in them. You know, I'm just telling you that to help you when your family members or friends come with their problems. If you'll just flush your mind and listen, God will begin to highlight things to you about what's really going on. It's really simple. That's what grace is really simple. It really works really, really easily. But I think uh, living soberly, living with a sound mind is this key in this hour we're living in. Just having the wisdom of the Lord is so powerful. And living righteously and living godly. So, 
that's a great scripture um, <clears throat> that we should understand about grace. Now, the other thing about grace is 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen. This is really the key, is, is what I want you to get this morning, is everything in your life spiritual springs from grace. I mean everything. Not one thing. Now, I didn't really catch this. Becky told me this yesterday um, about this verse here. Because this is sort of one of our core verses in this church. It talks about the Father's love, the Holy Spirit's uh, fellowship and power, and, and grace. So those are like the three main, main things that we really are going after in this church. It's really to have that kind of culture that's covered in this verse. And uh, I was quoting the verse to Becky, and she said, well, that's not really right what you just said because you put love ahead of grace. And the order in this verse is really critical, okay? Grace is first for a reason. The grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's the ending of, of 2 Corinthians. So this order is really absolutely critical and key in your life for everything spiritual, because I can trace every true revelation I've got from God that's working in my life right now, I can trace it back that first it was that I, my life was grounded in a revelation of grace. Okay? In other words, out of a revelation of grace comes a revelation of the Father's love. Out of a revelation of grace comes a true revelation of the Holy Spirit's power and presence in your life. Okay? Out of the revelation of grace comes dreams, visions, Okay, heavenly encounters, hearing angels sing, all of that goes back to that that grace provides the ground and the source for you to have those revelations and those experiences. Now that really, see, what I'm telling you is this, this, this is the great secret of Christianity. Okay, for you to become the spiritual person and grow and become everything that you, I think most people in this room, or I don't think you'd be in this church, if you really... Maybe your wife wants you here, okay? Like, I'm making you come to this church, but you might I think, I hate that church. I don't like all that yelling going on. And, but we take shout to the Lord personally. I do. That's what the Bible says. Well, I'm, that's what I'm doing. I know that it's offensive to some people, but it is in the Bible, so we're in good ground, right? Yep. Amen? It doesn't mean you have to shout to the Lord. You don't have to ruin your voice. But I feel pretty free to ruin my voice here, so... I'm going to, you know, and so you probably should try that sometime if you ever try it. It's kind of liberating, really. How many people would like to get more free? It's dangerous. I'll tell you, the Lord asked me this morning, I was thinking about somebody that I had this great conflict with years ago, and finally, you know, and we got, went through all the forgiveness stuff a half a dozen or so times. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Lord, I forgive them. Lord, and three months later, Lord, I forgive them. <laughs> You know, you see them, I forgive them, Lord, I promise you. <laughs> well, you know, forgiveness is a lifetime thing. You know, you keep forgiving. Right, Joseph's brother, he forgave him. Then they came to him all scared, like, well, I've already forgiven you, but I'm still forgiving you. But I realized, finally, I really had forgiven him. You know, really had. I was totally free. I thought, I said, Lord, it's, it's awesome being free of stuff like that. And the Lord said, would you like to get more free? And I said, yes, and then I thought, oh, that's really scary. That is really scares me, Lord. I want to get more free, but I am really scared about what that's going to involve in my life. You know? I'm really scared what you're going to bring up, because I know it's probably going to be something I'm going to have to 
forgive or do something. But, but freedom is everything, man. I mean, there's a liberty that God wants to bring us into, and what, that's what grace does. It liberates you. It liberates you on the inside. You'll never have liberty on the outside until you get liberty in here. But once you get liberty in here, everything in your life becomes liberated. It's awesome not to have to look at a person and have bad thoughts towards them. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean somebody that you could have bad thoughts for. It's awesome to be free of that. To be totally free of that. It's awesome. Really what Dean was saying, it's really awesome what he was saying. Because it's awesome to have liberty to be able to give or not give. It's awesome. It's awesome not to have theology that binds you up and darkens your mind. Because a lot of people have theology that they think is in the Bible, but it's not. And it darkens their mind. It darkens your mind. And it's awesome to be free of those things. And that's what God wants to do for people. God wants to, live, he wants to bring us in what the Bible calls a glorious liberty of the sons of God. And like I say, this is not an instantaneous thing. This is a process because we do have to grow in it and begin to under. And he gives us understanding on it. But many times there's no understanding at first. And some, some people, we've said this so many times, it's ridiculous, but some people, you need to get free of your understanding. You need to be willing to not understand and let go of the having to understand everything and just let God do what he does because you don't have to understand it. But I tell you, once you start getting liberty, you'll start understanding something. Here's what you'll understand. I don't care if I don't understand. I love what I feel inside of my heart. I love the things that are happening in me. Yeah. You know, I love it. And so that's really what grace will do for a person. That's what they're talking about, living soberly and, and living, you know, and living a, a, you know, this godly life. This is not just some following rules and doing everything right. It's living inside of here and being free from things that bind you and hold you down. And, and this is within our reach. This is within our reach. It was because he said, it's appeared to all men. It's, it, in other words, it's right here for every one of us. It's not for just the special people. And so I'm pretty convinced about it. So now, here's one thing about, uh, this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this. But this is the phrase he gave me. He said, every vital truth will be contested in the court of human Human reasoning, human opinion, and religious judgment. Okay? Every, every, and grace is, will be tried in that court. And that court, many times, is right here. Right here in our mind. We're going to try grace. We, and, and there's a religious spirit that's going to talk to you about it and bring its judgment about grace. It's, it's out there. It's prevalent in the Christian world. Okay, and so there's an opposition about, from, about every truth that God really wants to release to people. You know, in different times, in different seasons, some truths get more attention than others. Well, the reason they're getting attention is because there's a contest going on in the spirit realm about it. I remember years ago, tongues was like a major issue, okay, in much of the body of Christ, and it probably still is with a lot of people, but it's not with us. Because we love tongues, you know, and we're going to speak in tongues until our, you know, man, we were talking about this the other day that some people need to understand because people say, well, doesn't the Bible say when you speak in tongues there needs to be an interpretation? Well, if you're prophesying tongues, they do, you do, but it, the Bible also says singing in the tongues and, you know, praying in tongues. You don't have to have interpretation for that. 
And my gosh, should not the church be able to be free to come together and sing in tongues and pray in tongues without some religious spirit trying to tell you something that you can't do it because you're supposed to be interpreting and misapplying the Scripture and binding people up? I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, I love speaking in tongues. This is not the subject of my, topic of my message here, but I really do. It's just, and I love what I've seen in this church when this church corporately sings in tongues or pray. I love what happens because every time for the past few years something spiritual has taken place. God has made a transaction when we've done it. Now, it may have offended some people, and that's okay. Yeah, that's a transaction because we all had to suffer through offense. And God seems to kind of get into offending people for some reason. I don't know why, but, you know, the cross was the biggest offense there ever was, right? You know, when you think about it, now we don't feel like it's an offense today. We love it, but there could have been a time we would have thought it was an offense. The Scripture says it's foolishness. So, are you all okay? Um, So, we're going to have this contest over vital truths. And we're going to have to work through it. You're going to have to judge grace for yourself. And many people judge it as not really being, and they judge it as perversions of grace. You know, there's things about it that's not true. But who cares about that, right? We want the real thing. So what I did, this is unusual for me. Um, A few years ago I had this terrible ideal when I was preaching I was going to put all my notes on the screen. The sad thought was, was I never use my notes when I preach, you know. I mean, not, I don't have notes that says blue, blue, blue. And so I made these notes that like blue, 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 okay. And then I put them up there, and I realized I couldn't talk. I, my talking wasn't matching what I was saying, you know. So that was a terrible idea. But this time I did this. I went through the New Testament this is what I want us to get. I want, to get a, I want this church to have a, a fresh impartation of grace and what grace, what the Bible says about grace. So I went through everything that I could find, and I didn't find everything because I got tired of doing it. I got tired, like I've got to stop, about grace. And I gave them to them to put up there so it wouldn't be, be you know, so you could see it with your own eyes. So when I say grace is the basis for everything that we are as believers, I really mean that. So the first thing is it's the basis for our identity, okay? And that's uh, 1 Corinthians. I just want to see that. Look at that. Doesn't that look cool? 1 Corinthians uh, 14. I am. I'm going to be really strict on myself. By the grace of God, I am what I am. That's identity. That's what I heard originally about. The first thing I really heard about grace, other than grace of salvation, was the Popeye revelation. How many know about the Popeye? I am what I am. I'm Popeye the sailor man. That's that right there. And you see, today there's a great push amongst younger people, and I think it's an awesome push concerning true identity. Okay? It really is. But you see, grace is the foundation. Now, I will admit this. The Father has to join in that. At some point, the Father has to to get involved in the identity thing in your life. But Paul understood the basis of my whole identity comes from the grace of God. So the basis of your identity, if you really want true identity, if you're looking for, you know, that old question, this is really a powerful question, who am I, why am I here, what is my... All those, those really viable questions that people must ask or will ask 
consciously or subconsciously, grace is the place you start with that, a real revelation of grace. Number two, uh, grace is the basis for our standing before God. This is what Paul said in Romans 5, 2. This grace in which we stand. This grace in which we stand. In other words, our standing before God is by grace. We're already there before God. It's only by grace, nothing else. Amen? Come on now. All right, number, see, this is powerful. This is what the Bible says about it. Number three, our be, our, the basis for our behavior in this world, your behavior, how you act, how you treat people, your whole behavior at work, at home, is by grace. We be, Paul said this, we behaved in the world, dot, 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 because he said a few other things, by the grace of God, 2 Corinthians 1.12. So if you want to have good behavior... Grace is the way to tap, the power to tap in to, to have that, that good behavior. Number four, grace is the basis of our ability to reign and be overcomers. Now, this is really powerful, to be overcomers in this world. Okay? Romans 5, 17, those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Do you see that? It's the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Those two revelations together, having a revelation of grace and have a revelation that you're righteous, okay, right this second, that creates the ability in you to overcome, to be an overcomer, to reign in life, not to be, not to be a defeated person, to be a victorious person. Isn't that powerful? I mean, it's very powerful. And so when we begin to feel like in our life, we begin to feel like we're going in reverse. We begin to feel like we're losing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's, there's times you feel like the tail. You know, and the Bible says you're supposed to be the head and not the tail, but you feel like you're being drugged through the dirt and, you know, everything else that happens to dogs' tails. You know, that's the way you start feeling in life. You know, but that's when you can't forget that you're righteous, and that's can't, when you can't forget that grace is what will empower you to get back to where your your lofty position in Christ. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, and also, uh, uh, Peter calls it the grace of life. First Peter three seven, the grace of life. All right, number <clears throat> number five. Right? Am I doing good here? I mean, or am I keeping up? I'm having a hard time keeping up with my notes already. I'm starting to backslide here. Number five, our holiness. <laughs> yeah. Being holy, I mean, that's a big deal in some circles, you know. And some, you know, when I was growing up, there was denominations that centered around the way you dress and the way you acted. That was, you know, considered, you know, being holy. You had to be a certain way. But holiness has nothing to do with that. Um, it says, God called us to a holy calling because of his own purpose in grace. Grace is what causes a person to be holy. That's good news, right? Because God wants us to be holy. But grace is the thing that empowers holiness in us. We don't have to try to be holy. We are holy by allowing the grace of God in us to do its work in us. I know that might be going against some people. In this. Y'all, y'all getting this? Because y'all just sort of look at me like, yeah, sure, right, well, what else? Somebody, give me something I don't know, right? You know, give me some new fanciful. This right here will change your heart, your life, if you can hear it with your heart. Amen. Hear it with your heart. 
Let me just tell you this. Let me do this. Let me tell you about my heart thing that I figure out. You know in the, in the Scripture where Paul says the goal of our instructions is love from pure heart? Do you all know that Scripture? Well, Paul, that's what Paul was saying. This is, well, this is what this means. I figured out what this means. You see, Paul, in what he was doing, he was aiming for people's hearts in what he was saying and doing. Okay? He was aiming for their heart. He was not aiming for their head. He was aiming to speak to their heart. Now, this is really critical, okay? Because that's the aim. You know, the aim is speak to a person's heart, not speak to their head. Not spe- I'm not trying to speak to your mind, really. I'm trying to speak to your heart. Now, I will admit this. Sometimes we miss, okay? And it's like, it goes right over people's heads, right? You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we really bad miss and hit you below the belt, you know, and sometimes we really miss really bad and just cut you off at the knees. You know what I'm saying? But that's really not the intent. I mean, I'm telling you the truth. The intent is to speak to your heart. Because I believe, you know, when you speak to a person's heart, then God can capture their mind. Your mind will get captured if your heart begins to talk and, like, hear God speaking to them. That's what revelation is. And that's how God wants to talk to you. And He wants to talk to our hearts. He doesn't want to talk to your mind. He wants your heart talking to your mind once your heart gets it. And so I think it's really important for us to learn how to listen with our heart and allow God to speak to our hearts. Because if you think about all the times when God's really spoken something to you that you knew God was talking to you, it wasn't with your brain. It was with your heart. And that's what affected change in your life. And so, you know, Lord, help us this morning when we read these scriptures. It, they won't be same old, same old, ho-hum. That was nice to know that about grace, but, you, but it doesn't really capture something inside of you and doesn't cause a change in your life. If, if it doesn't, that means it was there. You know, we sort of missed the mark. Okay? All righty. Come on, y'all. Our strength for a living. That's the grace is our basis for strength for living. Paul, First, Second Corinthians, two one. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Be strengthened. Uh, Hebrews thirteen nine, one of my favorite uh, grace verses. It is good for the heart to be strengthened or established by grace. It is good for the heart to be strengthened or established by grace. I think that's powerful. Oh, this is something every preacher needs to to work on, right? Number seven, our way of speaking. Actually, we all need to work on this. Let your speech always be gracious. Let your speech always be gracious. Isn't that powerful? In other words, God has the power to give you a gracious mouth, seasoned mouth. Season, let's use the analogy, season with salt. And God really wants when our, out of our mouth to come graceful things. Psalm 40, I think it's Psalm 45, where it talks about grace being upon the lips of Christ. Y'all know that. It says, you know, God has put a good theme in my heart, grace upon my lips. Actually, the message Bible says uh, there's a river of grace flowing out of me. And so I think that's really what God really wants to do with us. It's caused a river of grace to flow out of us, and out of our mouth comes these words, these graceful words that have power on them, that, have, that, that can do something in people's lives. Yeah. It's very powerful. Okay, uh, number eight. Anybody would like to have a gift for ministry? Um, 
But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, Ephesians 4, 7. Each one of us has a ministry grace upon their life. Everybody in this room, there's a ministry grace upon your life. Uh, Romans 12, 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. It's powerful, isn't it? In other words, every spiritual gift that we have comes from grace. Every spiritual gift that we have comes out of, out of grace. See, we've made spiritual gifts into something like a whole class of things that it should have never been made into a whole class of things. It's, it's part of grace. You know, so if you have a gift, it's grace. And, and it talks about using them. Uh, number nine, our ministry. Minister uh, to one another as good stewards of God's manifold grace. First Peter 4.10. As good stewards of God's manifold grace. Right, you know, that's what a lot of the ministry gifts are for, is they're for each other, you know. It's worship is for the Lord. Gifts, spiritual gifts are for, for us, for us to help each other with. Are y'all all right? Okay. I, I feel like I'm sort of in a classroom. Now, everything I just said against this at the beginning, I feel like I'm trapped in this. I don't know, you know. But this is really meaningful to me. I'm sorry if it's not. This, when I went through and did this, it made joy rise in my heart. Because I realized, you know what? I am on the right track with God. Because I'm living my life by grace. And you know what? That's what will happen to you when you begin to do this. It releases joy in you. It makes you happy. You wake up in the morning. Have you ever just woke up in the morning like, man, I really feel good about my life. I mean, even when things are going bad in your life and everything's not perfect and you feel old in your body, you still say, I really feel good about my life. And you think, why do I feel good about my life? Have you ever had that experience? I had it this week. I woke up and I was sore, you know, from doing something, working, not really working out, just doing something stupid. But, you know, and I thought, oh, I thought, oh, I feel so good about my life. And I was thinking, what do I feel good about? It was the grace of God in me. It was the joy of the Lord inside of me that I realized I wasn't trying to, trying to do something or trying to be something or not trying to get somewhere. I was just living it at the life that God had called me to live. And I was believing the things that He said. That's what will make a difference in your life. If you're trying to get somewhere or trying to be something or trying to have something, you're on the wrong path. That's not the path of grace. That's not the Holy Spirit's path. That's the path of, of frustration. That's the path of never having and always reaching. That's a lie. You're already gifted. If you're frustrated about your spiritual gift, you've got a gift. You've got something. That's what grace does for you. It brings life to you. It brings hope to you and joy to you. And when we begin to live a grace life, we begin to realize, I've got stuff working in me that I didn't figure out, that I didn't even pursue. God just dropped it into me because I was dumb enough to say, yeah, I'll do that. Yes, I received that. And believe that, you know, and just be dumb enough to believe that God would do that. That's liberating. It really is. That doesn't mean you're not going to have some bad moments. You're going to get fussed at, you know. So, amen. All right, power. How many people would like to have some power in their Christian life? All right, who wouldn't? Tell me, raise your hand if you wouldn't, because I need to, no, I'm what, I want them wooden people. I'm talking about people who don't want no power. Listen to this. It gives the graces our ability to receive power. 
And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. You see, when the power of God comes, God puts grace on people to get to receive that power. It's not like you were trying to generate something. And then 2 Corinthians 12, 9, we know this. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Doggone it, it tells you exactly right there how to have, have power is to come to a place that you of yourself, you realize that you're, you don't have what it takes of yourself. That you, you're weak. You don't have any power. You're a weakling. You're pitiful. That when you become a realize, Lord, I am just dogged pitiful. I can't do this. I can't even live the daily Christian life. You have put yourself in a position to get power working in your life. It's the truth. And so we spend all this time, you know, like we're going to fat. I'm not against fasting, but honestly, you will not find a verse in the Bible that tells you to fast for 40 days to get power. But you will find a verse that tells you right here that says, in weakness, and maybe that's the whole reason, is fast 40 days, you'd be real weak, right? I, I want you to hear my heart on this. I'm not against fasting. I'm against me doing it. <laughs> but biblically, I think it's really important. Okay? But I will say this. And maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I used to fast a lot. I fast a lot less now. Okay? But I believe in fasting. My point is, though, is it says real clear here, it's in weakness. And us coming to the reality in our life that we are in a weak state, whether it's through fasting or whether it's through life that has beat you to pieces, rejection or whatever, that's when we're really candidates to no power. That's joyful, isn't it? Isn't that exciting? But for most of us, it takes God having to almost beat our brains out, you know, in your circumstances to get you to the place where you see that you need power. Mm, thank you, Lord. So, yeah. Lord gave me a revelation this week that we would never have the story of the power of God to deliver Daniel out of the lion's den if we didn't first have the story of the weakness of Daniel being thrown in a lion's den. And we'd never have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego dancing with the Messiah in the fiery furnace, the power of God to deliver them, if we didn't first have the story of the weakness of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being helpless to the king and being thrown into the fiery furnace. So we'd never have the stories of the power if we didn't first have the stories of the weakness. So if we despise the things that we're being thrown into, instead of embracing them, we might miss out on the power of God's deliverance in them. That's good. That's a great analogy there, isn't it? Amen. All right, number 11. I've got to hurry up because y'all are looking awful lesson. Our strength for labor, our strength. This is one of the bad theologies about a grace that people will pull on you. It's grace says you have to do nothing, which is just stupid, just stupid, just people to say that. So if anybody says that to me, don't expect me to believe what you're saying. I'm just not going to. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. I labored more abundantly than they all. See, a lot of people use grace as an excuse. That's why I'm saying this. You're, it's in when I'm, the little thing about the, our opinions, the religious spirit. We're all in that chord in our mind. That's part of the 
part of the lie that's told is that grace empowers us to do. It gives us energy to do. And when you have energy, most people who have energy don't just sit around and do nothing. They want to do something. They feel restless. They've got to get up and do something, right? I'm talking about in the natural. But spiritually, you can have energy working in you when you feel like, I can't just not. It's God's grace working in you that's provoking you. And what people don't understand is he said, uh, where did he say that? He, well, I didn't give you the rest of the verse. He said, before that, he said, the grace of God wasn't in vain. In some people's life, grace is in vain in their life because it doesn't lead to something. God pours his grace out on people, but nothing happens. That's Paul was saying that God's grace wasn't vain in my life because I, went, I did something with it. I, had, I responded to His grace. And also Galatians 2.21 says that we can literally set aside the grace of God in our life. God can be releasing grace to everybody all the time. And many people are just like, nah, I don't want that. They don't consciously say that. And so uh, one of the things I think it's important to understand is, is and the reason I think it's important because I've had a lot of people ask me about, well, what about, you know, preparation and that kind of thing when it comes to doing stuff? Like, in other words, if it's the grace of God doing it in you, why do you go through the trouble of getting prepared to do something? Right? Do you understand that line of thinking? In other words, why would I spend time getting prepared to come up here and preach on Sunday if I'm depending on God's grace to do it through me? Well, this is the way this thing works. God wants you to prepare. But here's what He doesn't want you to do. He doesn't want you to trust in your preparation. He wants you to trust in His grace. In other words, go take a calculus exam tomorrow, not study, and think God's going to bail your hide out. Probably He's not. Because He probably says, you know what, you need to go study, and when you sit down to take that test, you just trust me. I'll bring to your mind the things that you spent time reading about and practicing on. Right? And so that's really how this thing works. Is don't come up and say, well, I don't have to do anything. Or, No, you, you do. You get ready. You prepare yourself. And then you trust the grace of God in you when you step into it. If you've got to go somewhere and meet a man for business, you have your ducks in a row as best you can. But when you go in there, you're not trusting what you did. You're trusting grace to do what it does. And see, that's grace there. That's how that really works in our life. And that's how we're able to do what we can't do. Because think co-labor with Christ. Think that He wants me to be joined with Him in what He's doing. And see, when we begin to think like that, then our lives can work better. Amen? Uh, okay, I've got to hurry up. I've got three more. I'm going to do it. Our response to difficulty and suffering... Uh, for Hebrews 4.16, it says we can get grace to help in our time of need. In other words, any time we go through a hard time in our life, we have to, there's grace there to help us. We have to go for it. That We have to go to the throne of grace and, and ask for it. Like, Lord, I need help here. I can't do this. And, and he'll release his grace. Peter says, when you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The God of all grace will do that. Grace does that for us. Number 13, our future. Well, this is good. Set your hope fully. Listen to this. Set your hope fully on the money you're going to make this year. <laughs> right? No, it says set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's really what God wants us to put hope in grace. That's, that's what it says right there. It says to fully hope in it. 
fully hope in the grace that the revelation of Jesus Christ, the literal revelation of when He comes to earth, are the revelations that He's going to bring you in your life. Amen? Okay. Number 14. Our sufficiency for everything. I think I talked about this last night. My grace. This is what Paul, the Lord said to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. So when you're complaining, when you're frustrated, God has an answer. My grace is sufficient for you. That's what he would want to say to you. My grace is sufficient. Second uh, Corinthians 9, 8. God is, to make, is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things. How does it get any more clear? All sufficiency in all things. At all times. That's pretty... You know, covering all the bases, right? You may abound in what? Every good work. In other words, grace comes. There's all sufficiency for all things, all times. There's a good work that will come out of it. Oh, mercy, Lord. Number 15, our hope beyond death. This is crazy, man, isn't it? This stuff that the Bible says about grace. It's crazy. It's just crazy too good to be true. But that's what the good news is. Grace reigns through righteousness. Listen to this. Leading to what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace leads us into eternal life. Grace is not just going to end here on the earth. It is going to be with us forever in eternity. That's why grace is everything for the Christian. Your Christian life, everything. Everything in your Christian, your marriage, your thoughts, everything. There has to be a basis of grace working in your life if it's going to really truly come forth the way God meant for it to be, come forth. And I'm excited about it. And let me give you one last scripture at four minutes after 12. It's Tim Oreck's favorite scripture. Acts 2, 32. Because he quoted it last night. And then he read Acts 20, 32. Right, Tim? He was reading it to his son. And he read it in the Message Bible, but I like it better than the New King James. But it's good in the Message Bible, too. It says, Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. And that's the New Testament, the word of His grace. It's the whole thing. You can, if you take grace out of the New Testament, you can just throw, the, throw it away. You can throw, throw it in the trash can because it ain't going to exist anymore. The word of His grace, which is what? To build you up. And that means to repair you, to restore you. That's what build you up means. It means to fix your life. That's what grace will do for you. And, that, no, no, it doesn't just fix you. It says it gives you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And those who, in other words, the, the family of God. That's what grace does for all of us. So why don't we just stand up and... I'm going to ask the Lord to give you a revelation of grace. Amen? A revelation of grace. A new revelation of grace. Would anybody like a new revelation of grace? Anybody feeling that? Okay. Oh, interesting. A new revelation of grace. You see, because that's how grace works. It works off in revelation. It doesn't work off in mind. So everything I read to you will not work in your life if all you have is in your mind. But if you can ask the Lord to speak it to your heart, then something can transfer and transform in your life. 
and many times when God speaks something, He speaks as a seed, okay? It's a little thing. Maybe one little thing that I said, that's the one little thing you've got to grab hold of. When I came into Revelation, I can just tell you this. What it looked like to me is it looked like a door that was cracked. And I knew I could see light on the other side, but it was a very small crack. And I made a decision about that door. I thought, that door looks cracked. It don't look open to me. But you know what I'm fixing to do? I'm going to kick that door in. And I literally, in my heart, went up to this door and kicked it. And when I did it, it flung open. Okay? That's what God was looking for for me to do is kick the door open and walk into that, that grace room and begin to really start getting downloads of grace in my life. And really the truth is they've never stopped. And so I won't, I know a lot of people in this room would like to have encounters with the Lord, like I'm talking about spiritual encounters, like you would love to really have these kind of encounters with the Lord. And the grace will really bring you into that place of having encounters with the Lord. In fact, it's probably not going to be good to have encounters in the Lord without grace because you just turn that into legalism, right? That's what we do with everything apart from grace. We just make it some rule and, you know. And, and then some of us, we just really can't seem to overcome things in our life, you know? Like you just can't get traction in your spiritual life. That's the way you probably feel. I know I have felt that at times. Like, I just can't get any traction, Lord. And it's like grace gives you traction. It just gives you traction to go. It really does. So, Father, right now, I just pray, Lord, I want you. I'm asking you, Heavenly Father, this morning, and I believe when we ask, you, you respond, to give these people in this room a new revelation of grace, a fresh something that some have this revelation. But, Lord, there is so much more. It's expanding. It's, it's, it's growing. It's something that we can go way beyond what we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. So I'm asking you, Lord, right now, just to release that revelation, knowledge of the grace of God, what true grace, what the true New Testament life the life of grace is really all about, Lord. And I pray you'd release it on people. And people could get out of this place of striving. People could get out of this place of trying to get somewhere or trying to be something in every area of their life. They could get to a place where they could enter, truly enter in to your rest and your place of power and your position that you've called us to live in and live from. Lord, I just ask you to release that. And for those of us who've been in that place and have slipped off that place, have fallen off that place, today, Lord, put your hand out. Lord, just put your hand out, that scarred hand, and grab hold of us as we're sinking in the storms of life, Lord. That hand from heaven that would just reach out and take us in to safety with you, Lord, into your grace, Lord. Lord, I ask you to do that in Jesus' name. I thank you for it, Father. Lord, we acknowledge today we have no way of understanding this subject. It's way beyond our mental ability. We understand, Lord, you have to reveal it to us. We humble ourselves right now, Lord, just to receive, to receive from you, Daddy. Receive from you, Jesus. We thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Just thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for grace, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord.